Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today uh, for our Wednesday sermon recap. Look forward to doing this each week, being able to talk together about the sermon that happened this past Sunday and try to, I don't know, sometimes dig deeper, sometimes get off subject, chase rabbits, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Uh, Whatever happens as we do it. But this past Sunday was Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and so that was our intended focus of the of the message. Um, I guess something we can talk about a, a little bit here. Uh, structured the sermon based off of Christ's humiliation and Christ's exaltation. Um, you guys heard of that before? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We actually did a, a sermon series on Sunday evenings on. Jesus, and I think, did we do one on his humiliation and then one on his exaltation, or did somebody have his humility and exaltation together? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was in there. I know we talked about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. I think we, did we talk about each individual? One I think there was one on to? each, because I think I yeah. had the person of Christ, and I speak to that quickly in mine, and I didn't want to go into it much, because I yep. knew people mm-hmm. were coming to speak on something else. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, so it's not a, a new concept, but just I thought it would be appropriate uh, for Easter to to look at that uh, together. Really, really spent uh, um, the Sunday before Palm Sunday, and then also Good Friday service, looking at some of the aspects of Christ's humiliation, and then wanted to spend the bulk of the time though this week, the best we could, looking at Christ's. Christ's exaltation. But I thought it was important before diving into that to talk about Christ's preexistence because I don't think you can fully understand um, his humiliation until you grasp and understand his his preexistence. And so if, <clears throat> if you believe that Christ was created, then that really minimizes, I think, the humiliation aspect uh, of what we were of what we're talking about. And, and so we, I, I just wanted real briefly in the message to go over like John 1, and there's other places you can go, but just to show that the Bible teaches us that Christ has, Jesus has always existed, right? We have, we have God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we, we see that all things were actually created through Christ, the second person uh, in the Trinity. And so he always has been, and we see there in John, how it says, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we have Christ taking on taking on flesh, but that doesn't mean that he was created. He he always has been. And I just I just wanted that kind of cemented in our mind before we moved on to the humiliation and exaltation point. After service, Alicia and I were talking and we both mentioned how we thought that was a really good point that you brought up because we both knew people who were there on Sunday, because it was Easter, that normally don't come to church, don't have much background in church or know very much. And we just both commented how helpful we think that point probably was for them to understand like the, the background that you were talking about of like, why is it so humiliating for Christ to come? Like what is, you started at the very beginning, mm-hmm. which is Christ. He always has been yeah. and, and began kind of at creation and then walking through, you know, what he's done in his humiliation and then his exaltation. And that was just a really helpful starting point probably for them. Mm-hmm. And so we both mentioned that we, we thought that was really good and we appreciated that. It kind of even gave us fresh eyes as we were sitting there listening to the humiliation of Christ. Yeah, me too. When, uh, when studying it, um, and thinking, trying to think through that, because when you look at like, when you go to a, uh, systematic theology book or something like that, you'll find, you'll find these categories, uh, in there. And, uh, Christ's humiliation would start at his birth. And I don't think we think about that a lot of times when we think about Christ's birth, we think about the beauty of it, this baby with his fam- with the family and the manger and the shepherds and all of this, but for for God to wrap Himself in flesh, that's a humiliating and not and not even to wrap him when you think about the birth, not to wrap Himself in flesh as like a thirty year old established person, but as a the weakest of weak of of humans, a baby, mm. uh, in in his mother's womb. 
right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. going through the growth, going through those stages, and then being and then being born. This is this is the first place we see the humili- humiliation uh, of Christ taking taking place. And so, yeah, just contemplating that you don't you don't catch that if you don't understand who he is and how he always has been. Right. Because mm-hmm. nobody would say, yeah, I remember my birth. It was a humiliating time, you know, <laughs> like, like, no, it's, it's just yeah. not how it works mm-hmm. uh, for us. And, but we do see that in his, in his birth and the incarnation is the first step of his, of his humiliation. And, and so just trying to like talk through that and, and think through that is it's nothing that we can compare to at all. And we can't, we cannot fathom that. I tried a little bit like doing the comment about our eyes when your eyes start to fail you or mm-hmm. or you could say any part of your body or whatever it is, how people will try to deny it maybe or mm-hmm. you get really bummed out about it because it's it's like I'm 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 at a lower status than I once was. I used to be able to see all these signs and now I have no idea what the sign says. And it can just be humiliating almost. Uh and so that's just such a small sliver of what it is like talking about Christ's humiliation, but I just think it does put it in a little bit of perspective mm-hmm. um, for us. Uh, then, again, going with his humiliation, not just in his birth, but then being born, we see it in his sufferings. Now, I thought this was interesting. Maybe you guys would have a thought on this. Uh, I can't remember which commentary or which uh, systematic theology. I was looking at a few of them, but a couple of them mentioned just when we think about Christ's suffering, when we think about Christ suffering, what do you think people think about most? What do you guys think? When you say Christ suffered the pain of the cross, yeah, the cross. physical pain of the cross, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, the whips. They're usually thinking about what they can see with their eyes. Right. And people normally, I would hear it say, like, if it ever got extended beyond that, they would say, well, Jesus would have got sick just like you and I. Jesus, when he was uh, hammering in his shop, probably hit his finger. You know, they would say things like that to talk about mm-hmm. um the suffering Mm -hmm. but when we think about the everyday suffering of christ the the eternal always has been christ wrapping himself in flesh just the suffering of having to live here in flesh Mm -hmm. is uh something again i don't think we can we can fathom and Mm -hmm. i don't think we should look past that point Mm -hmm. of, of relegating himself to come to this earth and to be confined to space and time and gravity and to do that amongst a world that has rebelled against him completely Mm -hmm. yeah and now the curse of adam and eve of 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 sin that now there's thorns and thistles you know all this stuff yet i'm going to enter into that i mean you just think about we've all been in situations where I i can think of this past weekend we were at the park trying to have a good time with my parents while they were in town but there were some people that came to the basketball court right next to where we were and they were just cussing up a storm and it was it was hard to enjoy our time together because we were constantly worried about what my kids were hearing from these other people so if you just think about the perspective of christ to come to this world where that is full of sin and sinners and just what he had to be around considering the fact that he is god and he is perfect with no sin yeah, and just kind of what he had to tolerate on a day-to-day basis, watching people live their lives around him in a way that he knows is is sinful and that he's going to go and die for that sin. Right, yeah. And then, so you have that. Then on top of that, wrapping himself in flesh, coming here, living everyday life, he does it in the form of a servant, not of a mm-hmm. king, not of somebody who's respected, not of somebody who's honored or glorified in this life, but instead as a, as a servant. And so, again, there's the sufferings that would go along, go along with that. You know, it's just, you don't even really see in Scripture where Jesus sleeps at night or where he lives. And he even said that himself at one point. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, you know, all the foxes and birds, they have places to go. But son of man, nowhere, nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we don't see, you know, like, well, Jesus had everybody to his house and he had them dinner. It doesn't s- seem like he <laughs> he didn't have a house, mm-hmm. right? And he was he was that guy bunking with uh, Lazarus and, and them at their house. Yeah. And, you know, going, man, that's, kind of the life the life he he lived and um we just see his how he was a servant and then um i I added this actually yesterday as i was looking at my sermon uh, during sunday school 
and maybe this is more because I have the privilege of uh, standing and teaching every week, but just the thought of Jesus himself teaching and people so often leaving and not caring mm-hmm. to the point where it's like they're just here for the food. You, you, you made all the food not too long ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, what they're, that's what they're here for. How frustrating. You know, I know how frustrating that can be as a, as a teacher. When you teach, you pour, you pour your heart out or whatever, and the, how did it go? It was fine. You know, no one really paid attention or listened. And she's like, man. But now you have Jesus doing this. And how often people just turned away and didn't listen, didn't care mm-hmm. to hear what he had to say, just like, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I thought about, that was a good point. I thought about that when you were doing your sermon. It's like as he gave his sermons or his teaching to crowds and they were like distracted or talking to each other or whispering or whatever, like that must have been like he's the son of God. He is God himself. You know, the word has become flesh and and he's got this message and people are just like, do do do, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good point. Mm-hmm. I think, too, um, <clears throat> one of the things that highlights about Jesus's ministry is so much of the time um, as pastors, we you talked about the frustration level that sometimes can happen because you feel like I'm trying to communicate something here and I'm not getting the response that I, quote, want. But we never see Jesus sinfully frustrated with people because to the extent that sometimes I'm wanting that response, it's simply I'm wanting self, I'm wanting affirmation from them. So I'm actually not loving them. I'm one, I'm sadly in our flesh, in our sinful flesh, we we're still using people to some extent to get self-affirmation. And Jesus never did that. He was always fully, the only time he ever, we would say um, he might get angry or, uh, righteously angry. It's always motivated by selfless love. It's never selfish on his part. It's never um, upset that you are not affirming me. The only time he he he's always fully compassionate and fully focused upon other people and what is good for them. Or if he sees people who are being self-righteous, he preaches the, the law to them to try to bring them to a, a knowledge of their sins. I just think that's another aspect of Jesus's servanthood. Because to the extent that I'm using other people for my self-affirmation, I'm not serving them. But Jesus never did that. He didn't need their self-affirmation because he heard from the Father already mm-hmm. that you are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So he didn't need that, but he was simply pouring himself out in in love and compassion to to sinners. Yeah, I mean, we even see that right in the Trump entry when his heart breaks for Jerusalem. Mm-hmm knowing what he's going to go go to, but yet he has compassion on the people there, doesn't he? Well, continuing in his humiliation, we get to his death, right? Uh, we talked about this a lot on, on Friday, Good Friday, walking through Isaiah, the end of 52 and 53, just how Jesus was beaten, um, crucified, and uh, why that was necessary why that was needed we we see the penalty of sin we see the wrath of god and there's a lot that we don't see i think as well with our with our eye when we picture that but him bearing the weight of sin and guilt and shame Mm. and then being forsaken as he says on the cross where he had this relationship with the father that at that moment changed because of the father's wrath being poured out on him as being the atonement for our sins and and so we see humiliation in that, obviously. Uh, and then lastly is in his burial, right? Just the lowest, the lowest spot that we get as man, uh, getting put into a hole in the ground. You know, it, it never seems like a fitting end to a life ever. Whenever you go to a funeral uh, and you go to the cemetery, which a lot of people don't go to the cemetery anymore, but you go to the cemetery and you get there, and there's a hole in the ground. And if you go stand over the hole, it is just that. It's a hole in the ground. There's nothing special. They take this casket, which some families buy ornate caskets, but that casket goes into a cement box. That's what it goes into. And then they lower that cement box into the ground. Mm. <laughs> and that's the end. And it's like this life, whether well-lived or not well-lived or whatever it is, that's the end. I mean, that's that's where we that's where we finish it off. And mm-hmm. um, it just reminds you of what God told Adam 
for you were formed from dust and to dust you shall return. I mean, what a humbling thing to be told. Yeah. Right. You were made out of dirt. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to go back to the dirt. root word for mankind is Adam, right? Well, the, is the same root is the word for ground. Yeah. yeah. Adam earth. So apart from God's creative activity, you're the ground that the cows walk on. Mm-hmm. So that's. And so here yeah. you have the son of God, God himself, right? And think about that. Think it. Think of the humiliation of death for him. Dies on that cross. Can't get down himself. People have to carry this dead body. Mm-hmm. Right. Take it to a tomb. Wrap it up. Clean him up. Whatever it might be. Just so help. Completely helpless because you're dead. You're dead. There's no, no life. There's no life there. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what Christ would would go through. And this is this is what it's talking about. That concept of of Christ's humiliation. Right. But what we celebrated on Sunday uh, and what we think about on this past Sunday, specifically because it is uh, Resurrection Sunday, is just that, is Christ's resurrection, which gets us to Christ's exaltation. And so we see all of this in Philippians chapter 2. I didn't, I guess I I didn't read it uh, here, but I can. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, we see Christ's uh, humiliation and exaltation come out. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we look at Christ's exaltation, the first place that we go is his resurrection, which we read out of Luke chapter 24. Uh, I read that account this past Sunday. And throughout the New Testament, what we see is we see the apostles appealing to Christ's resurrection uh, so often, proving that he is the Christ. Because if a man comes back from the dead, that's a big deal. All right, that... (laughs) That that's something, and they're constantly talking about that. Paul is talking about that, and Peter's talking about that, and we see that in Acts every time they are preaching. The resurrection is something that is mentioned and that is brought up, and and we know that the resurrection happened, and it had to happen because Jesus was not guilty and deserving of death. The Bible tells us that sin equals death, and if one were to live right, perfectly apart from sin, then death would not be a part of their life. It shouldn't be a part of their life. And that's what Jesus did. According to Scripture, that's what Jesus did. He he lived the, the perfect life. And yet we see him going to the cross and dying. And so really the just thing would be for him to be resurrected because mm. the grave shouldn't hold him there. Mm. Um, and what also is happening in that, we think about exaltation, he is being exalted by proving here that he was who he said he was all along, right? That he, that his life was perfect, that he is now the Savior. <clears throat> and so he is being exalted in his resurrection here. Now, because of the resurrection, uh, we, can, we can have these words that we speak about in church a lot, like redemption, justification, regeneration, sanctification, glorification. All these things are possible because of this exalting this resurrection that has took place yeah no they're they're not even and it's not simply possible it's done yeah yeah. right because paul says in in ephesians or ephesians romans uh, 4 25 that jesus christ was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification so our justification was accomplished in the resurrection of christ and um and in, in as the as the final verdict of the second Adam, that that he is justified because he's in his active and we call it active and passive obedience in his actively fulfilling the law and his passively receiving all of the wrath due to our sins, he has been justified. And therefore, because we receive him and we're connected to him by faith, we're justified just as we were condemned because of the act of transgression of the first Adam. So we are now justified and we receive his justification by faith um, because of because of his act of, of righteousness. And that's what Paul will go into eventually in Romans chapter 5, comparing the two Adams. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have the resurrection, what do we have in the life of Jesus? 
no hope. It's just another, like you said, it's another dead person. <laughs> you know, well, I guess that didn't work out, <laughs> you know. And all of his follow followers would have just dispersed and that would have been it. The movement would have died. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we have Christ being risen, right? Being rose from the grave, being exalted on high. And then what we have continuing in his exaltation, we didn't just stop there on Sunday with the resurrection, is we have... In Luke 24, verse 50 through 53, uh, we have an account of the ascension. As Jesus is with people after his resurrection, he, he's with many people uh, throughout that time. And many, many people see him. But then he's with a group of people, and he ascends. And they're staring at him as he goes up into the into the sky. So this literally is like an exaltation, like being raised up uh, from the ground. And so we have death couldn't hold him, but now... He is going to be with the Father, free from death, uh, free from the grave, free from all that forever. That there's there's not a chance that that's ever going to happen again or take place again. And so, the ascension is an important thing for us to understand because uh, of Christ being exalted there. And as He's ascending, He's not going to just just I'm I'm just going to heaven, you know. No, He's actually going to be seated, and He's going. And what we learn is He's seated at the right hand. Of the Father, so you guys, you guys speak to that a little bit. What is the importance we see scripturally of Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father? Actually, I think that's the sermon you preached. Was one of them was seated and being seated? Yeah, wasn't it? Oh, you forgot. Sorry, put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> <My bad. laughs> no, I mean his seating is what leads to Pentecost, mm-hmm. um, because that's what Peter says. Because he's been he's been raised to the right hand of God the Father, seated. Um, whenever you take your seat, um, you're ruling and reigning, um, and uh, and uh, ruling over your kingdom. And so that's what Jesus is doing right now. Jesus is ruling and reigning at the right hand of God the Father as as the King, Priest, and Prophet of His people. Um, and so, therefore. He is the king of the world. Uh, eventually, um, and Revelation chapter 1 opens up and says, Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings on the earth. Um, and that's that's a present reality. Right now, Jesus is ruling the kings of the earth. We don't see it with our eyes, but that's what's happening. He's ruling providence. He's ruling and controlling and reigning over all those things. But also, he's there seated, as you pointed out, uh, for us, because we're seated with him. Because everything that he accomplishes, we get. And so we're seated with him in the heavenly places. We're, in a sense, already there um, uh, with him because because he's there. Yeah, it spe- it does speak, too, as well to his role as mediator, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. As being right there uh, with the Father. And that's something we shouldn't overlook is our, our need for a mediator. Because how pompous it would be for us to think that we can go to God. Like, I, I really think... I understand the argument that atheists have when they say, who are you to think that if there is a God, he cares much about you? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I completely understand that logic. Like, why would I have a voice under the almighty God? I, I don't have that right. I don't have that privilege, especially if when you read the Bible and if the Bible is true that I'm a sinner rebelling against him. Why in the world would he ever give me a voice, ever listen to anything, any plea, any need, whatever it might be? He shouldn't do that. Uh, but yet, what we see is Christ stepping in and becoming our our mediator and then allowing us to speak to the Father through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the privilege to be able to do that and that and that he does care, right? And then on top of that, because of his mediator role and Christ sitting there at the right hand of the Father, we have, we have uh, Christ interceding for us. And then the Bible also says the Holy Spirit is interceding for us as well. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's a lot going on for us that God has worked out and planned and ordained to happen and take place. And uh, it's it's because of that role of Christ as mediator, which wouldn't happen or took place if he didn't ascend and then sit at the right hand of the Father. And so he's being exalted uh, on high. <clears throat> now, there is a question I think that comes up, and Spencer, you had talked about a little bit, that he is ruling and reigning currently now, sitting at the right hand of the Father what do we say to the pushback of that, where people are like, then why is, why is everything so messed up? Yeah, I mean, that's we see that Paul 
or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews was obviously answering that. We do not yet see all things under his feet, but he is putting all things under his feet uh, currently and ruling and reigning. Uh, we do see the effects of his reign, as you can see in the book of Acts. What he's doing right now is he is uh, calling, gathering, preserving his church right now. Um, he is he is taking care of his church, and so the fact that the church exists now is a reflection of the fact that Christ reigns, that he rules and reigns right now. Um, so yeah, we don't see all things uh, perfectly put together uh, yet, but his rule and reign is consummated, wrapped up, and and completely finished at the second coming. That's why we have the second coming yet, as well as a key doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, but till then... Um, we suffer. And, and, and if you really think about it, that makes sense. Because just like Christ had to undergo uh, suffering before he could, had to be humiliated, um, undergo humiliation uh, before he could be exalted, so similarly to his, his body, he's the head, we're the body, we too suffer before we are exalted. Um, so the church goes through, the body goes through the same experience um, that the head went through. And then this way we are filling up the afflictions of Christ, as uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. Um, so um, actually it, it makes perfect sense because Christ accomplishes his reign through suffering. And similarly, his church brings a, joins him in that reign mm-hmm. through suffering. It happens in a way we don't expect, um, but but it is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, also, I mean, Jesus in during Passover week, during the, you know, for the, what they call the Olivet Discourse, told his disciples when they asked him, you know, what are the signs? How are we going to know? And he, Matthew 24, he goes into to detail about the last days. And, you know, so he made it very clear that all these things will have to happen and then the end will come, you know. And so I think the disciples probably thought it's going to be in their lifetime, you know, as other Christians and other generations. And so, you know, uh, and here we are in whatever error we're in that is moving toward like you said Spencer that final consummation in which in which Christ will come back and so this is not so people could say oh like why you know if he's really sovereign then why are all these things happening well he said all these things would happen you know mm-hmm. he said this has to take place before the end will come so yeah and that's his final exaltation which you guys are hitting on there is him returning mm-hmm. right we have this promise in scripture that he will return he will return as this time differently than so the second advent of him coming again will be different than the first time first time uh no real pomp or circumstance very lowly we do see some shepherds we see some wise men show up a little bit later um but this time will be different it says that uh every knee is going to bow every tongue is going to confess that jesus christ is lord there's going to be a recognition of who he is. And now this isn't speaking of a universal salvation that is going to take place at this time, right? Uh-huh. Everybody is, is saved, even though I think some might try to claim that. Uh, no, the enemies of God, the people of God will have recognized fully at that point. This is who he, this is who uh-huh. he is. And, uh, and so he'll be exalted on that day. Right. Uh, and, and that kind of, I don't want to say wrap it, but it kind of wraps up that exaltation point um, where he was exalted. And we see that, again, with the resurrection, the ascension, the seating at the right hand, and his return. <clears throat> the last thing that I brought up is something Spencer had already said. Stole my thunder in the podcast, but it's all right. Sorry. That happens. Um, is in Ephesians chapter 2. Because in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, it talks about how we're sinners, all this stuff, and... In verses 1 through 3, but then you get to verse 4, and it says, but but God has mm-hmm. stepped into that, right? And he he has he has saved us. And it says, by, by grace, not of works, but by grace. But it says there in Ephesians that he has, he has seated us with Christ, right? He's raised us up with him in verse 6. It says, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so I don't know how well I did to try to get this to sink in for people. I really, that's one of those frustrating things that we were talking about a little earlier, but maybe it's prideful. But you you look around the room and you're trying to share, 
you know, this, this Christ is Jesus who came, he died for your sins. He rose again. He's been your atonement. All of these special things, what God has done is God has provided a way by grace through faith for you to have a relationship with him. But it's not just to have a relationship with him. It's not just like, okay, you can be in the family or, okay, you can kind of be included now in this. He takes you and seats you with Christ. And so all this exaltation that we've talked about with Jesus, which should be his, God has granted to us. And the way that it's granted to us isn't by us doing something to earn it. It's by grace through faith, it says there in Ephesians. And so, I don't know, I hope I did an okay yeah. job, but I was just trying to get people to wrap their head around that of like, while you, because I went to like Romans 5, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Mm-hmm. So it's him doing all that. And then on top of that, he seats you, you are seated with him. We just talked about what all that means. Everything's at his feet. All power and authority has been given to him, and we've been seated with him. So I'm not trying to say that all power and authority has been given to us, but we're in Christ, and so we're with the one that has been given, and we have mm-hmm. that same inheritance that he has been that he has been given. Nothing can outlast that, you know. Nothing mm-hmm. can nothing can be greater than that. And I was just trying to, you know, I was thinking as I was speaking and just trying to compare the things of this world to that. And it doesn't compare. And I think that's where I felt like I wasn't doing an adequate job because it's kind of like the parable where it says, I'm going to mess this up. This isn't like verbatim. But if you know a field has a treasure in it, you're going to do everything you can to go buy the field Mm -hmm. because you know the treasure is much greater than what you're going to pay. And so you're going to go do that. And I think about that with this. It's like Mm -hmm. you look around at the things of this world, and don't get me wrong. There's some awesome things in this world. There's some great things to experience. I mean, before we did this podcast, we were talking about, like, vacations and all this stuff. There's beautiful things to go see and be a part of, and there's relationships that bring so much joy and happiness. And we could go on and on and on about the things of this world that are great, and I think we should. Those are good gifts that God gives us. They're, They're great things. But when you look at all of these things that the world has to offer, and even the sinful ones that a lot of us get trapped in, right? Trying to get across to people, it doesn't compare to what God has given us in Christ. Uh, I have found that to be a frustrating topic because you ex- you <laughs> you would want to respect. To me, it seems like two plus two equals four. But the, but the look is like, that don't make sense to me. You need to explain it more, which I know, I know biblically is, um, I can't persuade anybody. I can't logically convince anybody. God needs to do that work in their life, right? And help them to see the, the truth of it. But I just, I, I hope that it was grasped by uh, our people, by me, you know, more and more, because I can get lost in that, in that too. But just that reminder that all this exaltation we're talking about with Jesus it's great, isn't it? It's yours. Right. <laughs> like, well, I think one of the things that would help people is... Uh, a new teacher? No. Oh, that's, no. That's where you're headed. <laughs> if, I thought maybe you were going to if I was up there teaching. No. I was saying, though, it actually relates to a topic, though, I taught yesterday, which is about how we fell in Adam. Because um, whenever we understand that the reason why we're in the situation we're in is because of one man's transgression that I didn't commit. Um, that helped, and, and the reality is, is then we trace back sin to one transgression committed by one man, and I was made guilty because of his one transgression. Adam, that's what Paul calls it. Paul calls it the transgression. Mm-hmm. And by the one man, the many were made sinners, mm-hmm. transgressors, condemned. And so if we understood the fall in those terms, not simply of me and my personal sin, but my sin as part of being in Adam, then in that sense, we realize, oh, wow, my my problem goes much deeper because of my representative connection to Adam. And I think if we could, if we explained that, if people could grasp that, then it doesn't mean that everything you're saying would then make perfect sense, but it's like grasping the parallels here. The condemnation, everybody's everybody's eternal destiny hinges on two men. And that's really humbling to accept, but that's the truth. You're either in the first Adam or the second Adam. And that's the way salvation and, and the curse works. 
Um, that's the re- that's the structure of the Bible in Romans five and in First Corinthians fifteen, and so you're right. So just as I was condemned because of that one man's transgression, so everything I'm reading about that Jesus did, it's like I sometimes we read the fall passage as if that's just Adam and Eve. That doesn't have anything to do with me so much. But that's that's I'm in Adam, so that all is pertinent to me. Similarly, whenever I read the gospel accounts, I'm reading about what the second Adam is doing for me to reverse all of that curse. And that is, and so I need to, to view those two things as parallel and realize that the second Adam, everything he's done, including being exalted, that's all mine. Just like I get the, the curse of the first Adam. And I just think paralleling those two things would be helpful um, for if people could grasp the first one, they, it would help them to understand more. But there's still a lot that we're never going to understand until the resurrection right. of what you're saying as well. But it's just helpful, I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, we talked about like Jesus having compassion on the people as he rode into Jerusalem or even in his teachings. Right. We know that he had compassion on people and love. And he taught as the perfect teacher with, and that means not just like the perfect lesson, but the perfect motivation mm-hmm. and everything uh, behind it. Uh, one of the things I know for me and, and hopefully people who listen to this podcast would have something, would have something similar, but compassion needs to be something that uh, we as Christians exhibit. I don't know if I would ever be found guilty of compassion too often in a lot of people's eyes, but something that is very, very difficult for me and i think it comes out when i'm teaching and preaching have that opportunity especially if i see visitors uh is uh seeing people in the community uh people that i know who are great people they're they're great they're very kind they're very nice i really think they'd go out of their way to help me if i needed it if i asked them they would be there but i see them lost i mean what their goals are and their motivations in life are not biblically motivated for some of them it's they're motivated to for their kids to have their best life right they're they want their kids to experience things and be a part of things and again there's there's nothing wrong with that like i want that too and uh, honestly the things that i engage in that's where i meet people right and a lot of the things i'm engaging in they engage in so we have a lot of in common and so it's like, well, I, I want that for my kids too, or I want this for my wife or my life or my career. But that's it for them. That's everything. You know, and, and if you try to engage in a conversation about God, often, most often they would believe there's a God or even Christ, or they might even say they have some affiliation with something, but you just see that it's not actually a real thing in their life. There's There's other things that are more important. And that's where the compassion starts to kick in for me because that that breaks my heart because it's like it almost feels like a a life being lived that has a lot of potential that again is very kind in my eyes that I wish would see who Christ is right I w- I wish they would understand who He is I wish they would have an understanding of 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 what He's done what He's done for for me you know and it's hard when you have that opportunity to tell somebody about that and it's not, it's not took that opportunity is not took by them. And instead of like being angry, at least for me, I I don't ever really get angry that I can think of. It's just more of like a wind out of the sails moment, you know, just like a man, why would you, why would you not like, so for me, it's, I get to preach a lot and share the gospel that way. And so it's like, why would you walk out of this room? Why would you without doing this? without having faith, without trusting. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, you know, and it's more of a heartbreak thing. It's more of a compassion thing that I think we should have as, as Christians. Again, there's an understanding that I can't save anybody. It doesn't, I don't feel like this weight on my shoulders that it's my fault right now. I don't, I don't feel that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's just a man. I, I like you. I care about you. I, I want good for you. Like I do. I, I want good for you. And this is the best for you. It's the best thing that could ever happen to you. Will you take it? No, not too interested. Oh, seriously, you know. Um, and I, I think, I think as as Christians, I hope that's that's how we uh, that's how we feel uh, in those moments. And we pray that God gives us opportunity, I guess, to 
to share. And that's why we pray that God would open their eyes so that they would see that, Mm. you know, because I see, again, just in my daily life, I see people so, so lost in good things. They're not, they're not bad things. I love sports. Like I, I love it, but I see so many people lost in it, completely lost in it. And I'm like, I love this too, you know, or I see people completely lost with hanging out with friends. That's what their life's all about. Mm-hmm. They work, and on the weekends, they want to hang out with friends and do whatever they do, whatever it is, whether morally right or wrong, right? But it's like there's just this love that is there with their friendships. And again, it's like, man, that's great too, but it's just you're misguided. You're, you're off, and you need to see that you can have all of this, honestly, in Christ. Like, will things change in your life? Probably should. Probably some things should change. But I'm telling you, it is the field with the treasure. You should do anything you can to buy this. Mm-hmm. It, it's ridiculous not to do that. And here I'm offering it to you, and guess what the cost is? Nothing, because Jesus paid it. He paid it all for you. Um, and so I, I don't know where I was going with that. I just It's just this idea of having compassion and I just, care. I, I think it's a good word because it's easy, I think, for Christians to get frustrated with people. Um that are like that, like you're talking about. We all have people like that in our lives, whether they're our friends, our family, or our coworkers, especially if what they are finding joy in, like you're talking about people that you can really identify with. Mm-hmm. I think it's also true of even more so of people that you can't identify, like those same interests. It's very easy to get frustrated with those people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? And But that's a good word, especially as we were talking earlier about the compassion that Christ had on these people like he never got angry with them he was always showing them compassion it's just a good word to be reminded of mm-hmm. i think of of uh they're putting their hope in something and i think it's the hardest not when they're having the best time of their lives with those things the hardest is when all of a sudden those things are taken away from them and you just see them despair as if everything is gone and there's nothing left and there's no point to living anymore that's that's really hard because even then you want to get frustrated with him and be like i told you so you know um that's not what jesus would say though i don't think (laughs) right no he just said i will give you rest yeah Yeah. that's what he said yeah 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 come to me yeah and then i think go ahead was someone gonna say something i was just gonna say going back to this is kind of backtracking on what we said earlier but with the like us being exalted with christ that was a concept that honestly always really confused me as a as a believer like when i was learning these things uh for the first time because it didn't make sense to me that because i've always thought like okay i thought this wasn't about me right i thought that this was about making much of jesus i thought this was about him and this idea of of me being seated with him and being exalted with him but i just think that at the end of the day who does this really exalt Right, who's exalted and who is made much of at the end of the day? And I, like you know, we read Ephesians two earlier, and when it says there uh, in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and and here's the exalted part, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're exalted with Christ. But then verse 7 starts with so, right? Here's the purpose. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It's all for the purpose of him being exalted, mm-hmm. right? And then at the very next verse, is it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works, right? So that no one may boast. So even as we look forward to this day of being exalted with Christ and we're in a sense already there with him, we still have no reason to boast. And the only reason that that's happened is because God has shown his mercy and grace towards us in Christ. And so it isn't about me being exalted. At the end of the day, it's always about him being exalted. And I just get to kind of sit back and enjoy that, you know, it's all gift. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of that's a good word too though for Christians out there I think who are struggling maybe uh in this world <clears throat> because the fact is right we're we're entering a culture that we haven't experienced before of where Christianity isn't really accepted that much. And you know, maybe here where we live we haven't been hit as hard as some others, but 
that is the general direction it seems of society and so <clears throat> i know i've experienced it too you know there's relationships that i would love to have but i think because of my faith i can't not that i and it's not on my part i'm trying to have those relationships but it's on the other side where it's like just at arm's length you know um not really being fully included and I, and I, I don't even know i don't know if it's because of like oh, we don't like Jesus or some of sometimes I just think it's people feel embarrassed because I'm a pastor with certain things that I wish they wouldn't honestly yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um yep. and I think because of that me and Amanda had this conversation not too long ago it actually then affects our children's relationships mm-hmm. like within the schools and different things because we're not able to be as fully involved in uh, in stuff which then kind of makes them not be allowed to be fully involved or to get recognized. Um, and so we have to be okay with that. That can be hard. It can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And again, this is, this I think is hopefully a good word for Christians who are just struggling. Like you're not being recognized at work or you're not having those relationships you've always wanted in this life, but it's because of your faith. You're trying to be a faithful Christian and you're just not seeing much quote unquote success out in the world this should be an encouraging passage for us mm-hmm. to understand that what this world has to offer doesn't come close to comparing what Christ has to offer. Because again, it is all about Christ, but what's amazing is God has put us along the ride with Christ. He's given it that to us and, and it's, it's worth it, right? Because of what God has done for us, forgiven us of our sins. He's going to exalt us with Christ. We're going to be in glory with him forever that stuff much more outweighs the benefits of the things of of this world. And I understand that pull. I get it. I I feel it. I experience it. And that's why I think these types of passages are so good for us to be reminded. I think even the Christian who's down and out and kind of bumming, if you were to ask them, they'd say, yes, I know I'm going to heaven. Yes, I know every tear will be wiped from my eye. And it doesn't, but like, but right now I just kind of bummed. Yeah. But it's good to be reminded of these passages, you know, um, and to think this life is a vapor, it's going to be gone, and then we have life with him forever in eternity. And it's not because of how good you are, how popular, or even how good you are at church or whatever. It's because of what Christ has done done for you. And so it's kind of like, you know, buck up, feel good. You know, you are, I know this might sound corny, but it's like you actually are special because you're in him. And, And that hopefully will be, enough for you right mm-hmm. so i don't know i that's like encouragement i i'd hope would come from a message like like this i hope that's the encouragement of of resurrection sunday and easter and looking at those passages uh, because we are going to face times that are a battle uh in this world and that are that are very difficult and what is our hope in our hope is in christ and his accomplished work for us our hope is in him returning and coming again and we look forward to that and so we need to we need to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else? Did any of you eat ham? Lasagna. <laughs> I just ate. <laughs> I was all excited. What'd you have, Spencer? Soup. No, for lunch we swing by Meyer. You they, ate Meyer? Well, they had some <laughs> Meyer hot dogs. Well, <laughs> this is just for lunch. We just need something quick. There may have been ham the on dust. the sandwich. I don't remember. <laughs> They were on clearance, like 40% off. It was a great deal. You had ham sandwiches? No, no, it was a sandwich with provolone and salami and maybe turkey oh, okay. and a bunch of... Oh. There were like five bucks for this giant sandwich. It's, okay. I, I like those. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But no. at, night, at night, you had enchiladas. And that night, Ooh. I had enchiladas with rice and cheese dip and guac. Did you guys have ham? Yeah. Hammed it up. It was ham. I love ham. No, you don't I, love ham. I do. That's a lie. I do you don't love, love ham. ham. I think it's great. You like ham. I like ham. No, I love ham sandwiches. What do you mean? Get those little Hawaiian rolls. Like a mm-hmm. deli meat? And make like a sandwich? With deli meat ham? No. With like ham, ham for like Easter or something. Yeah, I like love Throw ham. some cheese on there. Yeah, and melt it. Microwave it real quick. Mayonnaise, mustard. It's good. That is actually pretty good, Scott. I can't lie. I love those. I do like the sliders. Yeah. That's ham the sliders. best. I love that about <laughs> Easter. That macaroni and cheese. I don't eat that either. Did you have macaroni and cheese? He hates macaroni and cheese, too. He hates all I like deviled eggs. 
Yeah. I like deviled eggs. We call them angel eggs on Easter, right? No, I'm just angel eggs? I'm just kidding. Never I probably had eight of those. Oh, the, yeah. oh, I get it. Whoop. Yeah. Right <laughs> <on my head. laughs> I just think... If I'm on my deathbed and I get one last meal, it's definitely not going to be ham. Of course not. And so, no, I'm not saying okay, that. So hold on. So the way I associate it is oh my throughout the year, there's a Gosh. few special occasions where the families get together and eat, you know, like your birthday or Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving. Those are like the big ones where we all get together to eat. My question is, if you have four of them times... Why in the world would the choice be ham? There's so many, how many better people, options. How many people get together for your Easter? Uh, there was probably, let's see, there's six in my family, and then four is 10, 11, 12, 13, four, like 15. If I were back home, there'd be about 90 people. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're not eating Yeah. <laughs> wow. For Easter? Yeah. I wouldn't That's go. how big my grandparents' family is. Oh, my My whoa. step, so my... My family's kind of split up, so my... Well, my, what do you mean that's why we have ham? What does that mean? It's cheap. It's cheaper <laughs> by everybody's steak. I would rather have spaghetti, which I would argue yeah. is cheaper than the ham. Yeah. I would not rather have spaghetti <laughs> than the ham slider. No, no way. Pass. I, I would rather no have spaghetti. Way. I don't yeah. eat ham sandwiches. You guys are talking about ham sandwiches? That's not a part of my life. I love sandwiches. Amanda buys ham. The kids eat that. You know what would be better? Never eat it. Smoke bologna. We should do that. Oh, we should have no. done that. That's disgusting. We still no. haven't done that. No. You don't know if it's disgusting. It's you haven't had it. Yes, I have. You have? Yes. Smoke bologna, barbecue bologna it's down the south. Ultimate you unclean. He's like, it was like yeah, right. Inch and a half thick. <laughs> you did not say it was disgusting when you sent that picture. Oh, you're talking about, wait, you're talking about in Ohio? Yeah. No, I'm talking about, that wasn't smoked. Oh. I've had smoked bologna. That yeah. tasted like bologna. It wasn't that good. What you're talking about actually wasn't a bad sandwich. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see. That was like a fried bologna sandwich. <laughs> thick thing. It, it was doable. <laughs> it was doable. Listen, he wants that. I actually have a shirt with it. Because during COVID, right, whenever they would drop off those meals, you loved the little cheese bologna sandwiches that they were the best. They were the best. Nasty white bread. It was the best. The white white cheese that's already stuck to the bread. Yeah, you had to eat it. That's like the ultimate process. You couldn't (laughs) let it sit in the fridge too long. You had to go ahead and eat it because the bread would start to get soggy. Scott's in there ripping over the running out. Oh man, it was good. That was the best. Oh, it's the best. Oh. Lord, we thank you for life. <laughs> yes, and, and this baloney. Yes. Hey, now there's going to be an exalted meal. I do understand. Like I bought a ham. I bought a ham because I do like ham. Ham is good. Like on a Tuesday. Right. That's why you complain about it all the time. You it's love it. You're okay it's, with him. It's, it's okay. Fine. I just it's, hate it. No, I just don't want it for special occasions. It's fine for just like regular whatever. I bought a ham. For average occasions. Meyer had him on sale. Like I bought a huge ham. It was like seven bucks. I get all that. I get. I get. I get all of that. Do you, for, do you feel the same listen, way about turkey? Turkey is fine on uh, Thanksgiving. I don't eat it much other than that. But it's it's fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's it's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just saying special occasions. Like, what are you wanting? Special uh, occasions calls for spaghetti. So did you guys have spaghetti. other? Okay, we I have spaghetti in the week. It's spaghetti, <laughs> it's gonna be, I would say that's true. But if I go to your house and you're saying, Tim's a special occasion, we're going to have spaghetti. And I get there and you're cracking open a thing of noodles that you're right. going to boil. Yeah, you're not going to you, like my spaghetti. you went to Gordon's and bought meatballs and you opened a can of ragu. I'm going to be like, Scott, you just ripped me off. I'm probably leaving. <laughs> probably, yeah. Oh. I'm talking oh. what happened. I'm talking homemade. Like for real, the real deal. Yeah. We actually normally don't have meatballs. We just have like the meat sauce. Meat. Country So style. did you guys That's have so ham good. and something else or just ham? It was just ham. Wow. I had ham yesterday and mm. I had ham Saturday. Mm. And what I do you mean ham and, and I had something ham else? Sunday. What do you expect to like have? Like some people will make turkey and yeah. ham or yeah. something oh. in ham. We just had ham. Yeah. Or like uh, brisket or, you know, whatever. Yeah, brisket. Yeah. That's what uh, someone in our church was sending me pictures. He oh. he smoked a brisket. Yeah. Nice. Like, come on, man. Nice. I got pictures of ribeyes. I got pictures of New York strips. It was a, it was a sirloin. Sirloin, yeah. Yeah, it was sirloin. You guys had sirloin, Scott? Oh, he had steak. Yeah. Mr. Ham Lover over here had steak. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's because the parents were in town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They had a gift card. Oh. And that, not, ham is fine, but that's it. I wouldn't go beyond that. A gift card to where? Texas Roadhouse. I'm with you on the special oh. occasions, yeah. Right? Like, but 
Yeah. It, we don't do that. Yeah. If we were going to do like a staff lunch and someone was like, oh, I'll bring a ham, I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah that's great. Right. Okay. Let's right. have ham. For let's the staff. <laughs> what about. But they're not special. What about like a meatloaf? How special is I like meatloaf? meatloaf. Okay. I used to have that for my birthday. Ugh. I love meatloaf. I, I like meatloaf too. I liked it yeah. so much, I named my parakeet meatloaf when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I like meatloaf. Yeah. Really? I love meatloaf. Angie meatloaf. Makes a good meatloaf. And uh, I know you don't like this, but uh, chicken Alfredo. Those are my yeah, favorite meals growing up as a kid. I'm a huge fan of Alfredo. Alfredo's fine too. Whatever. Salmon patties? I love salmon patties, man. Those are so good. <laughs> I grew up eating those, too. I do, too. Yeah, get one of the little bones in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just crunch, crunch, crunch. Really, the only thing I must have for Easter, and my mom can attest to this, is deviled eggs. Hmm. I love deviled I eggs. I walked into yeah, her house good. one day for Easter. There was no deviled eggs. And I'm like, where's the deviled eggs? <laughs> she, this is this is bad. She ended up making them. Before oh. we ate. <laughs> Good mom. What a good she mom. Was. She was like, she was. Oh, no. Some I've wanted to try. I was recently told that you can actually smoke eggs, like in like hard boil them like that, mm. that you can do that. And they actually, like the smoke permeates through the shell. Really? I'd really like to try a smoked deviled egg. Should try that. Mm. I wonder where the name deviled egg came from. Like, what's the origin? I don't know. Look up in your scholarly journals. Yeah. Search Google Scholar. Probably something with pickling. Or the red... Um, Cage they put paprika spice, on top. Yeah. Some people, yeah. Paprika. If it's fancy, yeah. A little yeah. paprika on top. Sorry. You don't Wait. like paprika? Yeah, but people do that and act like it's fancy. It's just. It's if just his mom made the deviled eggs, yeah. she tried <laughs> serving it without the paprika. Where's the paprika? No, no, no. I was yeah. just like, where's where, the devil part? <laughs> where are the deviled eggs? And the other thing we do on Easter, a lot of people probably don't, is jello. So if there's no jello, it's like. What are we even doing here? I see. I just don't understand <laughs> that. I have never been a Jello. It's got to be the Jello that you can hold and like wiggle. Oh yeah, I've never That's been a Jello, Jello guy. Yeah, that comes from my grandma. That's I grew all. up with Jello. Yeah, the yeah. green kind. Yeah, you shake it all around. Oh yeah. But so yeah, this Easter we had both deviled eggs and Jello, right. and ham. We had. Ham. That's all. That's it. I had That's one I had. small piece of ham, and then I ate everything else. Do you have mashed potatoes? Nope. Cheesy potatoes. Oh, see, that's Even part better. of the problem. Even I don't better. like mashed potatoes. That is that like the oh, sliced potatoes? Mashed potatoes are boring. Is that like the thin sliced potatoes <laughs> with cheese in it? Hash brown. Like it's hash getting brown. a little bit hot in here, folks. Okay. Cheesy hash browns, I guess. Those see, that's good. part of the problem right there. You didn't have mashed potatoes. You get the ham gravy I don't ever from eat. the ham, Listen. and then you make gravy and put it over the mashed on potatoes. On Thanksgiving. I don't like that. No, okay. on Thanksgiving and all those days. You can throw butter in gravy. to get. You don't like gravy? Not in my mashed potatoes. Never really? Have. I never had. That's crazy. Oh, oh, my word. I don't eat mashed I like potatoes. Okay. You're, okay. Your Southern card has been revoked now. That's fine. You are no longer. It's fine. You guys. Stop <laughs> these out. never claim me. You From my experience with Southern people, this is just my wife's family. They don't ever do gravy. Really? Ever. Huh. What? So that, first we time had, in my life. Are you life, joking me? They we, never do gravy. We always had gravy. I just I, never liked it. We always had gravy. When I first started yeah, dating Amanda, I'd like go to her house for dinner, and they'd make mashed potatoes, and I'm like... How do I eat these? There's no gravy. I don't know. Maybe There's that's no gravy. A, maybe that's a They tip. put corn in it. They just like mix it up. Yeah. And that's I'm like. Very, yeah, my sister did that. My parents did that. I'm like, maybe I need gravy. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm with Man. you. My favorite uh, pairing, probably one of my favorite pairings of all time is uh, pot roast and mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's good. But I don't. I like don't. on Thanksgiving, I don't eat mashed potatoes. It's a waste. There's so many other yeah. good things there. True. And True. same for yesterday. Tater tot casserole. That would be better than mashed potatoes. I that's, don't that's good. Hater. No. Awesome. I'm taking mashed, mashed potatoes. potatoes. Are boring. Yeah, but you're boring. Your palate is <laughs> No, boring. I'm not. You have no. a boring right, palate. Here's my question. <laughs> you like ham, you like bread, question. and mashed potatoes. For, boring. for a big holiday like that, Thanksgiving, <laughs> oh is gosh. the person who makes the mashed potatoes, are they actually making mashed potatoes, or are they yes. instant? I mean, well, I've had instant, but like my wife will... We, We'll cut up mashed potatoes. We'll cut up potatoes, boil them. We only do homemade but, mashed potatoes. Yeah, I actually yeah. like instant better. <laughs> you do? Wow. Yeah, if I'm being good. honest. I mean, like if fine. we're in a pinch, my wife will get the instant. But and you like, peel them all? No skins? She does. Mm -mm. She peels them. I do skins when I, I do like, it. I lazy. like skins. She yeah, peels I like them. the skins in there, Also, too. If, you're in if you need something fast, too, you could go just get the Bob Evans kind in the no. frozen. No. You had them? They're yeah. good. No. Yeah, they're good. They are good. I like my Bob wife, Evans whenever ones. she was doing uh, shipped, like people, people love that Bob Evans stuff. Mm -hmm. Scott doesn't. <laughs> I don't trust your palate anymore, Scott. Your palate, you like bologna. This is but a palate you're saying, war. You ever did? Palate but, wars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> when did I trust Scott's palate? <laughs> so no, man, we do gravy all the time in Missouri. So yeah, I, I like don't. Gravy. I, I don't understand. Gravy. I'm a big gravy person. You, yeah. you don't hear a lot of gravy. 
Courtney never makes it. Oh no! I mean, we have gravy. All, I, I, he was just saying about him because he said her, his wife's family didn't have gravy. No, they never had gravy. Yeah, no. but I'm like, no, we, my family made gravy. I just don't. I personally don't like it. Wow, it just makes it soupy. I don't. I don't want it's it. The soupy. best part. Drown those taters. No, I don't want it soupy. <laughs> yeah, I like gravy. <laughs> yeah, like that's gross. Biscuits and gravy. <clears throat> that's not the same gravy. Very different. Yeah. It's very different. But it's gravy. It, no, no, it's different. No, it's. No, that's no, different. it's different. It's it, it's no. different, but it's gravy. It's that's different. Like, no, it's, it's different. Not. It's, it's different totally in degree, different. but not different in kind. It's like saying san- <laughs> a sandwich is a sandwich. Is that something you say? A sandwich is a sandwich. No, there's sandwiches underneath the category of sandwich. <laughs> no, I mean I don't get what it's, it's the same. No, he says it's soup. Anyway, it's the same mind. with gravy. This is going down. No. Going down. No, I don't understand. This. You know, Italians actually call red sauce gravy. Do yes. they? Yeah, that's that true. Yeah, I never heard of uh, Alicia's family for this is a Christmas thing. They have uh, chocolate gravy. Oh, really? Which is basically just melted chocolate. <laughs> I found out it's just chocolate. Do they know it comes in a bottle? They can squeeze, <laughs> they can squeeze it right. Out. I don't yeah, know. Right. Have you ever had? I've never had this, but I've heard of it. Red eye gravy. Yeah, made with coffee. Yeah, I've never hmm. had. That's it. with ham a lot of times. I've never oh, heard really? that. Either. Yeah, it comes from yeah, yeah ham. No. Red eye gravy. That would be good. I just like sausage gravy. That's it. On my biscuits for my hillbilly breakfast. Yeah, your hillbilly. Yeah. <laughs> you say it like that, but everybody listening knows exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you said yeah, yeah. yeah, we just yeah, we just called it breakfast. Yeah, of course, it's yeah. yeah. like the best breakfast ever. Yeah, of course, you called it breakfast. You live in the hillbillyville. <laughs> hillbillyville. Man, I'll tell you what. Man, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I better end this. Got way distracted there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well. Thank you for listening. Uh, we look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. The plan is to get back into First Timothy. Uh, so hopefully we see you at church on Sunday. Until then, hope you have a blessed week. God bless.